Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. I am thrilled to invite you into a cool conversation. Minnesota just made history last week, and we are going to celebrate that today. Um, The Minnesota state governor signed a really, really important bill that is regarding PFAS chemicals, something we've talked about on this show quite a bit. But this particular bill is a first of its kind, and our guest today is going to help us unpack what the bill is all about. She and her organization were part of a group of folks who were pushing for this bill. Her name is Ivana Stark, and she is the Minnesota State Director of Clean Water Action. And we are thrilled to death to have you on the show, Ivana. Welcome to Go Green Radio. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. It is exciting, and congratulations to you and everybody you were working with on this bill. Let's begin by having you talk about the bill that Minnesota Minnesota Governor Tim Walz just signed into law. The bill bans PFAS chemicals from several different products, and I'd love for you to talk about what those products are and by what time frame they're required to be PFAS-free. Yeah, this is really exciting because individual items have been banned in various states, but our piece of legislation really pulls together all these different parts and all of these different pieces that other states are doing into one comprehensive PFAS prevention package. So by January 1st of 2025, there are 11 items specifically called out in the bill. It is carpets or rugs cleaning products, cookware, cosmetics, dental floss. There's PFAS in your dental floss. That's so terrifying. (laughs) I know. Fabric, juvenile products, like, you know, anything your kids play with, menstruation products, which as a woman is particularly terrifying, Mm -hmm. textile furnishings, e-wax, and upholstered furniture. So by 2025, PFAS, you cannot sell as a as a manufacturer any of those items if they contain PFAS. And then we go one step further by saying um, as of 2032, the MPCA, the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, can determine by rule other items that they deem non-essential. So anything that has a viable alternative is banned in the state of Minnesota to protect our health and our water. That is incredible. What a sweeping piece of legislation. And you're right. You know, so many other states, including my own, California, they've been passing PFAS bans, but it's been kind of um, like playing whack-a-mole. Like, we'll we'll ban it Mm -hmm. in firefighting foam or we'll ban it in cosmetics. And this is really comprehensive. And I think that's such a smart approach. Now, the bill allows an exception for uses of PFAS chemicals that are necessary for public health. And I'd love for you to help us understand what applications of PFAS chemicals might fall under this exception. Sure. This is really where the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency rulemaking comes in. And the bill defines essential as essential for the health, safety, or functioning of society, as long as reasonable alternatives are not available. So a really good example I have is we were standing outside the conference committee room and one of the industry lobbyists who I had 
struck up a conversation with in a previous um, committee hearing came up to me and said, you drive a Tesla, and now I have to note, I work for a nonprofit, so it's not the fancy Tesla that I drive, (laughs) but it is a Tesla. And she said, there are PFAS components in your Tesla. You're not going to be able to drive your car. And I said, well, that's just not true because we need cars. We need airplanes. We need MRI machines. So something that is essential to the health and safety and functioning of our society will go through the MPCA rulemaking process, which is something that they're working on this summer to set up, and mm-hmm. they can they can um, apply to have that exemption given to them. So there has been a lot of fear mongering by industry to say that the you know the sky is going to fall. We're not going to mm-hmm. have what we need to be safe and healthy, and that's just not true. There is a coordinated, comprehensive plan on how to make sure that we can still live the way that we need to live to be safe and healthy. That's that's a great provision of the bill and and so smart. And I know, you know, for a long time, if you watch the movie Dark Waters or read uh, Mark Blott's uh, book that kind of spawned that movie Exposure, you know that for decades, the EPA didn't even know they needed to regulate PFAS chemicals because they didn't know they existed. Um, they were on nobody's radar screen whatsoever. And so right now, you know, we're we're going through this process of awakening to what these chemicals are and where they're found. And so a provision like that that allows for ongoing research and ongoing evaluation is really, really smart. Um, the bill also requires manufacturers to report their use of PFAS in products by 2026. Talk to us, Ivana, about why this is so important. You kind of hit the nail on the head. This is a consumer rights bill. And part of the reason we have 11 items listed is because when we started this conversation, we started getting hit by industry asking for exemptions. And that's how we learned that it was in dental floss. It's in contact lenses. That's how we learned it was in period products. And so Mm -hmm. as industry came forward and said, we support this PFAS is bad, but we should get an exemption our response was, that's terrifying. We're going to add that to the list. Um, <laughs> and so it's really important that they're reporting because they're kind of telling on themselves. Um, mm-hmm. But people have the right to know what they're buying and what they're bringing into their home. For too long, we've trusted industry, and this is why we brought Teflon and other toxic items into our homes, thinking they were safe. So this portion of the bill gives consumers the opportunity to visit the Interstate Chemicals Clearinghouse website. It's the I-C-2-T-H-E-I-C and the number two dot org. And there, multiple states dump in the information that they gather about what chemicals are in which products and they post them. So consumers can go in to this community site that's really using state collaboration to build a giant database of toxic chemicals. They can go in and they can use this to make informed decisions to keep themselves safe and their families safe. Can you give us that website one more time, Ivana? The, T-H-E, then the letter I, the letter C, the number two, dot org. It's like Interstate Clearinghouse and the number two. That is a really great, easy to use website. Yeah, I'm going to check that out and urge our listeners to check that out as well, because a lot of times when I do a show on PFAS, of course, I get a lot of 
email asking, well, how do I avoid it? What do I do? And this could be part of the answer, you know, is, is helping people learn where they may be ingesting or being exposed to these chemicals in their day-to-day life. So that's super helpful. Um, I read that the bill also bans specific uses in several products starting in 2025. Can you tell us more about that provision of the bill? Yeah, these are the items you simply don't need PFAS in, and having PFAS in them exposes you and your families to everyday toxics. Carpets and rugs, we're the first in the country to ban PFAS in cleaning products and cookware. Um, It also addresses, like I said in that list, cosmetics, dental floss, and such. And it's where we're taking the stand to say, no, our kids' toys, the rugs they play on, we don't need this chemical. I don't want PFAS in my dental floss. And you, I have PFAS-free dental floss. These things exist. So mm-hmm. it's an unneeded additive. And this is the first step to turning off the tap. Minnesota has a PFAS blueprint, and it's a coordinated way that the state is tackling this crisis. And the first portion of it is how are we turning off the tap and preventing more PFAS pollution. And so this is where we're starting. We're going to say no more flowing into the state because these consumer products eventually at the end of their life cycle end up in landfills. And in Minnesota, 98 out of our 101 closed landfills are leaching into the groundwater. So it's really, really terrifying. Um, You know, with period products, a lot of those get flushed. That PFAS then ends up in sludge, and then that sludge gets turned into an agricultural product that is put onto farmers' fields as fertilizer. We're finding now that if a cow eats hay that has PFAS in it, the milk will have PFAS in it. Also, that sludge then will reseep back into the groundwater, so we have this vicious cycle. So by turning off the tap and saying no more is allowed in, we're fighting back, that allows our cleanup to mean something. And cleanup is a whole other topic that scientists are working fast and furious to try and figure out. Um, but this is the first step to reducing that that eventual cleanup cost. So we're not polluting, then cleaning, then polluting, then cleaning. It's a vicious, right. vicious cycle. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I know that this must have taken quite a concerted effort. (laughs) A bill like this, considering the industry folks who would be opposed um, and and the resources that they have to bear, you know, on, on something like this, it must have taken quite a bit. Talk to us about what it took to get a bill of this magnitude passed and signed. Oh, where do I start. <laughs> you know, on the one hand, it took forever, and on the other hand, it went real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took a lot of time and work and creativity, and portions of this bill had been worked on and attempted in previous years, but this is the first time that all the language was put together and presented as one comprehensive package. And in Minnesota, we have a trifecta where we don't have the Democratic Party. We have the DFL, Democratic Farmer Labor Party. Mm. So right now, the DFL holds the House, the Senate, and the governor's office. And that was helpful, but we did find that there was a lot of support from both parties. 
And had this been a standalone bill rather than having the language tucked into an omnibus bill, I think we would have gotten far more Republican votes. When we were um, finishing up both votes on the House floor and the Senate floor, we got texts saying, oh, we wish we could have supported PFAS. We just couldn't support the entire omnibus bill. So it would have been really interesting if we could have had it as a standalone Um, I started as State Director of Clean Water Action on Halloween of last year, so I joke that I found my office, and then I found the bathroom, and then I kicked (laughs) it into high gear, and we passed some bills. It was boom, boom, boom. It was was fast. Yes. And so I hired a dear, dear friend of mine, Jennifer DeJornet, who I've known for over a decade, and she is a brilliant Republican strategist. She always says that I'm her lefty bestie, and I, you know, <laughs> tell everyone she's my Republican bestie, but we can let her in the room. It's fine. We're kind of the <laughs> odd couple politically. <laughs> so she is uh, our contact lobbyist, and then I connected with Andrea Lovell, who was the legislative director for the Minnesota Center for Environmental Advocacy, and they are basically a group of attorneys that work on environmental issues. So this was really three mama bears. Um, you know, we worked with lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, but Amara Strandy really made all of the difference and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, we lovingly say that Amara activated the mama bear gene and the three of us. Yeah. Um, I called her mother Dana out of the blue, um, because they lived in the PFAS plume where 3M dumped their PFAS waste. And I had read about her in a local publication. And so I reached out to her and, Amara had terminal cancer when I met her. When I called Dana, her mother, the first thing Dana said to me was, Amara's at home on hospice. She's dying. And that whole hour and a half conversation, I just, I had to keep going on mute because I kept crying. It was such an emotional Mm -hmm. conversation. She testified on nearly all of the legislative hearings. The only ones that she missed were because she was recording her music in California. So she missed two hearings. She was a singer, songwriter, and studying music in college, and she was a force of nature, and she was not afraid to tell her truth. Uh, Her entire family showed up to support her and share their story, and it really was their story. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. about Amara, because when somebody is sick like that, everyone is impacted, Mm -hmm. and she told the community of her school, and so she attended Tartan High School, where they have a cancer cluster. She died two days before her 21st birthday and three days before the house vote. And mm. the Strandies really hammered home that we have to protect people over profit. And they gave yeah. a face to the story. Absolutely. And lawmakers were exposed, yeah, to, to what this did to Minnesota firsthand. So, it was humanized. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I want to talk more about Amara in a little bit. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more with Ivana Stark. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26 percent, 43 percent, or 14 percent? 
Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Today we're talking about a brand new law that was just passed and signed by the governor in the state of Minnesota banning a wide variety of PFAS chemical-laden products. And these products have either got to be PFAS-free or they are not going to be happening, not going to be sold in the state of Minnesota. And our guest today to walk us through the provisions of this bill and some of the things that we should all know about PFAS chemicals is Ivana Stark. And she is the Minnesota State Director of Clean Water Action. And Ivana, I have so much respect for Clean Water Action. Um, it's such an important organization. And so I'd like to give you a chance to talk about your organization and specifically the things that your organization brought to the table in the passage of this bill. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for that. We are a national organization with 19 offices across the country. The Minnesota office um, started in 1982, one year before I was born, so it's big news <laughs> for me to fill. And we are unique. We have a, a 501c3 and a 501c4, so we get to play a little bit in the political arena. But what I really get excited about is that we have a top-notch phone and field canvas team. So rather than asking people to come to us and learn about us, we're able to go into their homes and meet them at their doors and through their phones and have conversations about things that really matter to them. And we are, I like to think that we're scrappy, Um, we're creative, and you know, we take things like environmental justice very, very seriously. And this is an environmental justice issue. We were able to leverage social media. We have a really active Facebook and Twitter. We leveraged our personal relationships with lawmakers, and we talked to our community. We went into various parts of the state and held town halls. We wrote letters to the editor, and we we really 
included our Canvas teams in the work that they were doing. They came to our press conferences. They delivered notes that we received from our members at their doors to the lawmakers' offices and kept them integrated in every step of the work that we do. So, um, you know, we're this nonprofit in Minneapolis and just really motivated by this sort of work. So I'm really pleased that know, we were able to have a hand in this. Well, you did a great job and there's so much to celebrate. Um, In the last segment, you were talking about what it took to pass this bill. And I didn't want to cut you short because I know that that's a a story that deserves more airtime. And I know that you had other stakeholder groups involved working on the legislation. Help us understand what brought everybody to the table and, you know, continue that story of what it took to get this bill passed. Yeah, so Andrea Lovell um, and Jennifer DeJournet were really my sisters at arms every step of the way. Andrea brought years of experience working on PFAS, and she understood the history that this legislation had gone through that I wasn't around for, and it gave us a really valuable perspective on how to approach the session. And like I said, Jennifer really brought deep connections in the minority party, and that gave me the ability to have conversations with people that would have normally never taken my meetings. And we were able to connect this issue of PFAS to their districts and help them understand that this is not a left-right GOP DFL issue. This is a human issue. People are getting sick and they don't have to be getting sick. Um, you know, we we worked really hard um, and we, there was intimidation by industry. Industry fought tooth and nail against us and they spread misinformation. They went as far as what some people really considered to be physical intimidation, cornering people in dark hallways, um, telling lawmakers that this would determine their next election. We took this as a sign that they saw the writing on the wall and that their behavior was a last. Andrea used to always say it's their last gasp of desperation. Mm-hmm. And as we entered into the conference committee portion of this process, right before it went to the governor, we were told that they weren't worried about the gains that had been made and the work we had done. They were waiting for the serious men to get to the conference committee table mm-hmm. and they would fix what we had done. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We had our intelligence questioned in the rumor mill. I, um, one individual kept calling me that stupid idiot PFAS lady. I mean, it really got ridiculous. Um, and so what we did was we just we ignored it, and we worked with lawmakers to ask the question, if you can do this in other states, and then we would give examples depending on the port, what they were pushing back against, then why can't it be done in Minnesota? Mm-hmm. You've done it elsewhere. Why can't you do it here? And the answer was always, well, we can. We just don't want to. And that wasn't good enough. wasn't mm-hmm. good enough for our governor, and it wasn't good enough for our majority. That's amazing. You know, PFAS is something that's very um, front burner in some areas of the country. And in other parts of the country, people still haven't heard about it. Um, what is it that made PFAS contamination such a significant issue in Minnesota? Is it in your water? Are there large contamination areas? Give us some idea of of where this fight started, how it started yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah. I, um, I keep joking that I'm waiting for, like, Dark Waters for this movie to come out because it would be a nail-biter. 
3M is a Minnesota-based company, and they were a major manufacturer of PFAS. Um, Teflon and Scotchgard are the two big examples. And mm. because PFAS can't be broken down, there's no way to destroy it safely. So they dumped it. If PFAS is incinerated, it turns into a fluorinated gas, which is 12,000 times more potent as a greenhouse gas as CO2. Wow. So can't burn it. Definitely off the table. So in the 1950s through the 70s, 3M dumped the waste from production of PFAS in the East Metro, and it leached into the groundwater. It was first discovered in the groundwater in 2003 near some of the four disposal sites, and it was later discovered that 150 square miles impacting 140,000 people was contaminated. That followed with a high-profile lawsuit brought against 3M by the Minnesota Attorney General, and that produced an $850 million settlement. You could not open a paper or turn on a TV in Minnesota without this being a major topic that year. And it seems like a lot of money, but as the cleanup costs mount and this stuff spreads, it's just a drop in the bucket. There is a great website. Um, the state of Minnesota has a website devoted to the settlement and the way that all of the money is being used. And so I really encourage people to to check that out and see how that money is being spent. That is That is really amazing. Now, you know, in the absence of um, having a big spill site or a big leach site, you know, where maybe it's in a landfill or um, some other site like that. Um, how ubiquitous are PFAS chemicals in general? I mean, you talked about some of the products that are being banned in Minnesota um, in the first segment, but I'd love for you to talk to our listeners about where PFAS chemicals may be found in their lives, even if they don't live near a 3M dump site. Yeah. That's a really, really helpful question for a lot of people. It's everywhere. It's in firefighting foam, and that impacts people when there are fires or if you live by an airport or a military installation, that runoff foam gets into the water. Um, Firefighting foam is also included in this film. Really anything that is waterproof or greaseproof. So it's being found everywhere in Arctic ice and whale blubber because it's in things like fragrance, or if you think about your pizza box, how it holds in the grease, mm-hmm. um, any of that waxy substance that keeps liquid in into go containers, um, rain jackets, umbrellas, tents, internal components of items. My partner is an appliance tech, and so he spends his career inside of the things that we don't ever touch or, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. we never touch. Yeah. And industry really tried to get internal components exempt. And we argued, no, that these workers have a right to be safe too. It bioaccumulates in fish and game. So if you fish or you hunt and you're eating those animals, you're going to want to make sure that there's not a high level of PFAS. Usually when it's detected, there's a there's a big announcement, so it's pretty pretty well known, but they're everywhere, but they are beatable, and um, many retailers are voluntarily phasing them out, which will be very helpful in this process. Absolutely. You know, for some folks who, you know, may not be near a big contamination site, um, I hear questions like, well, gosh, you know, what's the real risk? I remember when, you know, people were up in arms about this contaminant or that contaminant in our water. And I didn't know anybody who died, you know, and, and I, <laughs> I, I get a little frustrated <laughs> with folks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of getting frustrated, let's educate them. What are the public health risks associated with PFAS exposure? 
I um, I have a 19-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. So having recently had a baby, I have had um, a lot of eyes on this particular question because pregnant women are at risk for preeclampsia and low mm-hmm. birth weight for their babies. Uh, PFAS has been found in 100% of cord blood and breast milk tested. For kiddos, it's low IQ and learning disabilities. And for everyone, it's various types of cancer, particularly liver cancer, and that's what Amara had, as well as thyroid issues and obesity. PFAS gets into your body and it bioaccumulates. So that argument of, oh, there's just a little bit of PFAS in this item, it's bad and it bioaccumulates. Um, and it attacks your DNA and everyone will react to it differently. And that's why health issues are sticky, right? Because mm-hmm. Amara clearly got sick and her sister did not. And no one really understands why. But there right. is documentation proving that industry knew this stuff built up in our bodies and that it had negative health effects and they sold it and promoted it anyway. Mm-hmm. That, you know, and the environmental working group um, has done a great job of exposing that, keeping that in the forefront and, and writing a lot of great articles about, you know, that, of course, that's in Dark Waters as well. And and Rob Belote's book, um, Exposure, where, you know, he uncovers, he was the lawyer that uncovered mm-hmm. all of this research, decades of research that 3M and later DuPont were doing on their own employees. They knew what exposure to these chemicals did to their own employees. And yet without compunction, released it out into the world. It's kind of incredible. Um, when we talk about, you know, bioaccumulative toxins, um, help us get an idea of, you know, what that means in terms of who is most at risk for suffering health problems due to PFAS. Frighteningly, it's children. Um, they are still developing and growing and Kiddos drink and eat and breathe more per pound of body weight than adults do, so they end up having more exposure to PFAS than adults. And as a mom of two, even my 19-year-old, I will say that kids put everything in their mouth. Absolutely <laughs> Yes, they do. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's wild to me. Um, and PFAS has been found, like I said, in 100% of cord blood and breast milk. So these babies are being born with this in their bodies. Um, and because their brain is constantly developing and growing so fast, again, that's where the learning disabilities and the lower IQ come in. So it, it really is important, though, to stress that everyone is susceptible to PFAS and that no one is immune. Right. No, I think you're exactly right. But uh, for those of us who advocate for children, uh, it gives us an extra push when we think about the impact of a bioaccumulative toxin that's that's entering into their little bodies as they grow. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have much more with Ivana Stark and this new Minnesota law banning PFAS and a number of chemicals history-making legislation. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? 
Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. We're talking about PFAS, and we're talking about a landmark piece of legislation out of the great state of Minnesota uh, to ban PFAS from a whole host of products. And we're talking with Ivana Stark, the Minnesota State Director of Clean Water Action, who was very active on this piece of legislation. And she's walking us through what is happening in Minnesota and why, uh, you know, there was such a groundswell of support for this this piece of of legislation. Ivana, I live in a city in California that has a a pretty bad PFAS contamination problem in our drinking water. Um, We are in a situation where we, when we're not in drought, (laughs) we get a lot of our drinking water from the, the state water project, which is surface water that at this point does not have any detectable PFAS. But you know, in the last few years before the big rains this year, California was in a state of drought. So we were highly reliant on our groundwater and it is badly contaminated. And one of the things that's been tough for me, I've been going to um, city council and water agency meetings since 2019 when I first found out that we had this contamination in our groundwater, but I still feel like the Lone Ranger. We don't have parents and grandparents showing up to these meetings um, advocating for their children um, and advocating for quick action to treat our drinking water. The technology exists. And uh, sometimes it's a lonely road. And I'm wondering what's different in Minnesota? <laughs> um, what, you know, what is the public public's understanding of the human health risks of PFAS in your state? And did it take a story like Amara Strands to influence the public? Or, you know, is there just a higher level of sense of duty and responsibility and advocacy? Help me understand what's different in your state. Yeah, Minnesota, that's a really great question. Minnesota has a strong advocacy network, and we're loud um, in the Minnesota nice way, of course. But I think <laughs> because 
3M is a Minnesota company, and we had that huge lawsuit. Industry can't hide from us, and our community is intimately aware of what these chemicals can do. We have an entire high school, a Tartan High School, that, you know, when you talk to the kiddos there, they say we have the jocks, and we have the theater kids, and then we have the cancer kids. And they mm-hmm. tell stories about how common it is that there are, are overhead speaker announcements that somebody's parent had died or somebody would be out of school because they were diagnosed with something and were seeking treatment. It became a way of life. And then these kiddos graduate and they realize, oh, my gosh, that's not normal. We just thought that's how life was. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so it's really these young people leading. We had a rally before the house vote, and it was the young people who showed up and said, not one more, no more. Um, So like I said, Amara passed away three days before that rally, and it was her friends and her family and her classmates and people who didn't even know her but were touched by her story. She was beautiful inside and out and talented in so many ways. And as a mom, I quickly latched on to her mom, Dana, and I identified with her and I felt her and was... I don't even have the words to put on what that's like um, and how terrifying it it must have been for her and Michael to get that news that their daughter was sick. And I saw my own kids in Amara and Nora. And I I wish we had time to play parts of her testimony because it was so fierce. Mm -hmm. And she didn't shy away from discussing her treatments, her scars, the loss of the use of her arm as a musician. She didn't hide how hard it was to speak, to walk, or to stand as her illness progressed. She was vulnerable. She was authentic. Um, You know, it really was so touching. Lawmakers, after um, committee hearings, would come up to her and just thank her and say, this is exactly what we needed. We needed a face with this story. And Amara and Nora and Dana and Michael represented the all-American family that just wanted to live a sweet little life. And if something can happen so terrible to them, it can happen to any of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a little bit of that fear woven into that story of, oh, gosh, if it can happen to their kids, it can happen to mine. And so we've got to take action. Mm -hmm. So I, I really feel that... They, this is Amara's law, and, and she earned that distinction. And Republican Senator Jim Abler came to one of our press conferences, and when asked what helped him cross party lines to support this omnibus bill, he said one word, Amara. And mm. that is just a testament to the way that this woman spent the last months of her life fighting. She was an advocate in everything she did. She was an advocate for kids with cancer. She was an advocate for students at the college that she went to. And then she ended up being a PFAS advocate. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, 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 it's the Strandy family completely. Well, and, and I hope that we don't have to have um, a, a human tragedy like Amara's story and Amara's family's story in every state in order to get this kind of legislation going because uh, that that's that's a horrible, horrible thought that we have to have that level of human tragedy in our face before we take action. Um, bless their hearts for being such strong advocates, but um, for the rest of the country, uh, we shouldn't need any more examples. Absolutely. 
And so, you know, with PFAS regulation right now being done largely on a state-by-state basis, it it really does create some inequities across the U.S. in terms of public health and protection. I mean, based on this new law in Minnesota, children in your state are likely to be safer from these chemicals than children in my state in California. What are your thoughts? I know you've been involved in public policy a long time, Ivana. What are your thoughts on the Mm -hmm. efficacy of this patchwork of public policy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the arguments industry kept making was we should wait for the feds. And our mm-hmm. response to that was, when have we ever done that? That clearly <laughs> doesn't work. No kidding. And, this, you know, I would love the EPA to make gains on this so this wasn't a problem, but that's just the nature of the beast. The feds move slower. Um, but I also hope that other states are empowered to follow our lead. I had a call from a colleague in another Clean Water Action Office across the country, and she said, can you tell me where this particular piece of PFAS legislation is moving? Because our state won't budge on it until you budge on it. So I made mm. a call to that particular author and said, hey, can we get a hearing? I know that this portion might not move as quickly as the rest. But if we have a hearing, then this state over here will have a hearing. And so it's that domino effect of proving it can be done, proving that the sky is not falling, um, and and really relying on our bill authors to be champions, too. I can't stress that enough. We had really great authors in the House and the Senate that came together to work on this as one big project, and they refused to be bullied. And they asked me really great questions and worked countless hours on to truly understand the language and the long-term implications this bill would have on the community. And they understood how powerful this bill would be, not just for Minnesota, but for the country. And really, as I look into it further, I think Minnesota is now the global leader. Um, you know, the, the European Union is looking at taking action. They haven't taken firm steps yet. But we've all taken this responsibility very, very seriously. Representative Jeff Brand, who is one of our champions in the House, spoke with leaders in other states. And all of the PFAS authors have made it clear that they're available as a resource for other states. So That's amazing. I'm hoping that this patchwork turns into, you know, a full, a full movement domino yes. effect. I hope so, too. Well done, Minnesota. <laughs> Thank you for leading the yeah. way. Um, I read that Minnesota-based Target uh, Target stores adopted a policy to phase out PFAS in its own branded products, including, but not limited to, textiles, um, cosmetics, beauty, and cookware items. What role do you see, Ivana, that retailers could play in the work to eliminate PFAS exposure? A huge role. Uh, But this legislation is still important because business promises are just that. They're promises. And business Mm -hmm. policies can always be reversed. So I think some businesses are taking a stand because it's the right thing to do, and others are reaching uh, or they're reacting to consumer demand. And I guess I don't really care why they're doing it. I just (laughs) want them to do it. Yep. Yep. I also think that... Yeah, and consumers play a huge role in driving this force behind the switch, and people are paying attention, and they're demanding better. I think when a company makes positive, sustainable change in one state, it makes sense to update their entire supply chain, and it saves them money in the long run, too. Um, I was just at Target, and I got 
PFAS free mascara and it's a it's a CoverGirl brand. But typically there's PFAS in mascara because of the waterproof um nature of it. And so even when it's not their own target brand, they're doing a really great job of labeling things as green. And my my son's girlfriend has an app on her phone. She can scan things and it will tell her I don't recall the name of the app, but it tells her what how clean a product is. And she mm-hmm. goes through Target, and that's how she shops. So I think I retailers it. are realizing that if they want to follow the dollar, they've got to turn sustainable. Absolutely. Well said. A few months ago, Ivana, I worked with Eurofins Labs um, to get my tap water and my blood tested for PFAS. And long story short, um, there were PFAS compounds in my water that my local water agency isn't even testing for. And my blood exposure showed that for PFHXS, my exposure levels were in the top 5% in the American public. I'm wondering if folks in Minnesota are getting tested, and is this something that you have recommendations on? You know, testing can be very expensive. I don't know what you spent, but every time I've looked into it, it's about $650 a test. So I think there's, unfortunately, again, we loop back to the environmental justice component of this conversation, that mm-hmm. testing is not attainable for everybody. But next session, I'm working on a bill with Senator Tu Zhang, who went to the same high school as Amara, not at the same time, but is a part of that community, mm-hmm. on a bill for medical monitoring. And I like to think of this as Nora's bill. Nora's Amara is Amara's sister. And Nora was exposed to everything Amara was exposed to, same water, same living environment. Mm-hmm. And this bill would allow then access to medical monitoring for those who have been exposed. And I, I think that. people need to be, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm really hopeful about it. Senator Zhang is really inspired by it. And I think people need to be proactive and understand that they're, what their exposure is and then demand that these companies that have known since the 1950s that PFAS is toxic will take care of them. Um, mm-hmm. They poisoned people and they should be responsible for that. And as we talk about remediation, I think we need to have a conversation around the fact that this should not be taxpayer-funded, that these industries that, as you said, the Environmental Working Group has a great spot on their website where it has all of the documentation proving they knew this since the 1950s, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, that they are, they're, they're picking up the tab for this. This is already yeah. costing families far too much to deal with the health fallout from exposure, they shouldn't have to pay for cleanup, too. Agreed. Well said. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be back in just a few moments with more on PFAS and Minnesota. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? 
Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. Um, today we're talking with Ivana Stark, the Minnesota State Director of Clean Water Action, and we're talking about a huge bill that just got signed uh, in the state of Minnesota to ban PFAS from a number of different products. And, you know, I, I, I talk about PFAS a lot. Uh, as I mentioned, um, I live in a town where we have PFAS contamination in our groundwater. And, you know, when you do that, a lot of people don't read everything you write. They just, you know, hit the headlines and, and they ask, well, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm sure you get the same questions, Ivana. When people ask you what they should do to minimize their exposure to PFAS chemicals, what do you tell them? I, oh, there are a lot of little things you can do that make a big impact. I use at-home cleaning products. So cleaning vinegar goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm shocked by how effective cleaning vinegar is. Mm-hmm. Uh, test your water. Know it's coming out of your tap. If you are able to eat organic, mostly be aware and ask questions and challenge your thinking. Do you need that cookware with nonstick coating or are you able to use olive oil or butter? Do you need that harsh cleaner or are there alternatives like cleaning vinegar? Do you need to use paper plates with a coating on them or are you willing to do some extra dishes? Small changes like that can have a real positive impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in addition to your work with the Clean Water Action um, organization, you also serve on your local school board. What do you think school districts should be doing to protect kids from PFAS at school? 
We just had graduation last night, so I've been thinking a lot about our next generation of scholars heading out into the world and how we've got to educate our kids on their bodies and help them understand when something isn't right and to not be fearful to stand up and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, caregiver, I don't feel good. Something's wrong. Amara's cancer was diagnosed at a yearly physical, so making sure that you know we're supporting our families to get those physicals teaching kids to ask questions, but we also need to talk about the academics and we should be teaching them about sustainability and climate change and the importance that water plays in our life. We have to send this next generation of scholars out understanding that science is real. You can't, it's yeah. full stop, okay. period. <laughs> yep. And most importantly, I think, yeah, um, I think schools can help kids understand the importance of ethics. A lot of powerful people knew PFAS was dangerous, and yet they put PFAS-filled products on the shelves. This crisis was entirely avoidable. Yeah. It sure was, you know, and and I think, you know, I work with K through 12 schools throughout the country. That's what my organization, my nonprofit, the Go Green Initiative does. And, you know, schools can't control everything. They can't control the water that's coming into their drinking fountains before it gets to their faucets. But when it's in their faucets, that's when, you know, action can be taken. And, you know, one of the things when we talk about clean drinking water that just goes all through me is that, you know, with lead, we've known for decades what lead does to children and the human body. And there's still no federal mandate for schools to test their yeah. drinking water for lead. And so I think that one of the things that I'm asking schools to do is think about um, the, the health of their students, both short term and long term, while they're on campus. If you're buying carpet, Get it, you know, make sure it's PFAS free. If you're buying furniture, if you're, you know, testing your drinking water, test for these things. Even in the absence of legislative mandates, there's enough information for school district admin administrators to do the right things to protect children from environmental toxins in the air and the water and the products and the food that they consume or are exposed to in our schools. And so I'm really hoping that you know, more and more senior district administrators become educated on these issues so they can protect kiddos while they're at school. I, I want to ask you a personal question, Ivana, because um, we do have a lot of young adults who listen to Go Green Radio, and they are looking for career pathways to do exactly the kind of work that you're doing. Would you mind giving them some tips on how to land a green job. What kind of educational path and career path uh, do you recommend for them? Absolutely. Find a passion and chase it. Um, I would have never, if you would have told me this when I started college, that this is the work I would have been doing, I would have not believed you. I, I, did, I don't <laughs> think I had faith in myself that I would have ever finished undergrad, ever gone to grad school, ever built up a community, a network. Um, I grew up with a disabled father. We grew up very, very poor, but I knew I wanted to help people because there were people who helped us. And I knew I wanted to give a voice to the historically marginalized. So I would say to find a mentor and ask questions, you can mm. reach out to me on Twitter or email me. Uh, LinkedIn is great. And show up. Remember, lawmakers work for you and run for office. You have to ask a woman uh, uh, average of seven times to run for office, you typically only have to ask a man once. So run for <laughs> office, run for office, run for office, run for office. My resume is, it, it, it is 
in, yeah, that's one of the big battles I do on the side is I encourage women particularly to run for office and it's very, very fulfilling. But my resume is really diverse. I've had a lot of very different kinds of jobs. And so this position has allowed me to pull diverse pieces together. I work on legislation. I manage staff. I fundraise. I engage with partners. I throw events. I educate the community and work with many different teams on different projects. And so my advice would be to take every job you have and make the most of it. But if you aren't happy, if your soul isn't happy, if your cup isn't filled, find a job that will fill your cup because it feels really good to work on projects that save lives. And I don't have an environmental science degree, but here I am. Yes, that's a great message. You know, that is not the only path. And I think um, what you said about making the most of every position is spot on. Um, You know, we only have a, a few moments left in the show. What parting thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners today? Boats have consequences. Um, This is Amara's law, but it's also Nora's law because Nora didn't have to lose her sister. And there are a lot of people we heard from. Eric Lowen had a baseball-sized tumor removed from his brain. Ben Rule survived leukemia. These are real human beings, and they are still living with the physical and mental impacts of their illness. Our purchasing power means something. Our votes have consequences, and we have to stop putting profits first and realize that we have limited resources that are being depleted quickly, but there is still hope, and we can still make a difference. Absolutely. Well said. Ivana, thank you so much for joining us today on Go Green Radio. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us as well. We'll be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.